So we're going to continue. This is week three of our series on if, uh, looking at all of the if in our life and all the ifs in our life and the way that they affect our relationship with God and then the trajectory of where we go. Uh, and, and today we're asking the question, what if? We're answering all the what if things in us. And I think from a very young age, from the moment that we start thinking and asking questions, we have what ifs. Kids have what ifs, grown-ups have what ifs, and, and they're very different. I remember when I was a little kid, uh, I was not at all worried about the things that I, I worry and what if now. Uh, my thought was, uh, I, I was, I was afraid of worry, like of uh, robbers when I was growing up. Uh, I saw the wrong sitcom. I was not a victim or anything. It was a comedy thing, and, uh, and there were robbers in this episode. And so in my head, uh, between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m., that was robber time. If I woke up and had to go to the bathroom during those moments, like I was frozen in bed, scared that if I went out to use the bathroom at a very young age, I was going to see a robber, and then everything would end. So I would wake up at those moments and just call for my dad. Dad, can you make sure there's no robbers so I can go to the bathroom in peace? Because I was a little kid. And at that moment, like that, that's what runs through your head, that what if. But not all of them are negative. Little kids, they also have amazing what ifs. Okay, so I've always been light. That's been one of the things that's like I got made fun of when I was in kindergarten. I have three memories of kindergarten. The day that our school got broken into and they just trashed our room. Remember that one really, really well. Uh, my teacher yelling at me for using that big paper cutter where you can give yourself an accidental manicure. I was messing with that as a five-year-old. So I 100% deserve to be yelled at and getting called Skinny Bone Jones. Like that was kindergarten for me. Class broken into, accidental manicure and Skinny Bone Jones. And so I began to like think, hey, how how can I put this to use? And somewhere along the lines, I saw a horse race and saw all those people are little and light, and maybe I'm going to be the world's tallest jockey. Like, this is in my future. You look at what those guys look and wear, and I'm like, no, that, that, that is definitely not me. I'm not wearing a pink polka dot thing uh, and beating a horse uh, for a mile and a quarter, and that is just not for me. On that note, uh, next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. We're doing a thing here on Super Bowl Sunday. We do it every year. We call it Jersey Sunday. If you have any desire to wear any type of sports jersey, whatever, or not sports, maybe you really like Vons, and so you want to wear a Vons jersey, uh, wear that next week. This is our day to wear jerseys and and do this together as a church. We're all going to pray that Greg does not wear his water polo Speedo. Uh, We are saying no to Speedos. We will not lay hands on that. We'll just pray at it from a distance. Don't do it, bro. Uh, But for the rest of you, if there's a jersey, a team, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, uh, whatever game that is to play in Harry Potter, uh, if you want to wear a jersey, wear that next week. Anyway, what ifs. As we grow up, our our what ifs change. And what what we're going to look at today is the way that God invades our what ifs and teaches us about him. From the very beginning, we've been, we've been looking at how God deals with our ifs. And, and at the, the first week, we talked about this if thing, looking at our regrets and what God does with our regrets. And he says, I've got all of them. Your past, all of it is mine. I've got it. So we no longer have to worry about it. He says, your present is full in me and your, past, your future, sorry, your future is missionized. He doesn't send us out with a to-do list and say you have to do all this stuff. He comes in, he changes who we are. He wired us for mission because that's our identity. That's our purpose. That's who we are as a church. It's going to pop up right on, right behind me in a little bit. Our mission as a church is to proclaim the whole gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole person throughout the whole world. We're going to build a lot on those three phrases. Our mission is to present the what? Whole gospel to the whole person 
throughout the whole world. At one point, that was us. Somebody told us about Jesus and everything changed. And so we want to see that continue to happen. And so we looked at the first if and God taking our past and missionizing our future. And then the second if is as if. We read things in the Bible about who God is as our father. And what God's calling us to is living as if that's true. And he reminds us in Romans chapter 8, which is where we're going to be today, verse 15, Romans 8, 15, reminds us that we're not just people who are kind of doing this thing, struggling, doing our best. He says, no, you're my sons, you're my daughters. And so as you go through life, you're not going through as slaves to sin or to fear. You're going through as sons and daughters who, is, who are loved by your perfect heavenly father. And so today we're going to look at the what ifs and the way that they point us to our God that loves us and point us and remind us to the God who sent Jesus for us. So the first of those what ifs is something that we all deal with every day by not dealing with it. And that's the whole what if of suffering. What if I suffer? If there's hard parts in our life, does that mean that God has backed off, that God has taken a lunch break when it comes to you and me and he's off doing his own thing and he's going to come back and realize that everything went wrong? And so what we're going to look at right now is God's response to suffering and the way that God interjects and interacts and is big even in the moments in our lives where there's pain. So Romans 8.15, it says this. It says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Right there, he says, you're, you're, the purpose and the direction and the motivation and the end result of everything that you go through, that you suffer through here on earth, is that there is an eternity waiting for you and me, an eternity waiting for everyone who's a Christian that is absolutely empty and void of suffering. It's a perfect relationship with our perfect Heavenly Father where we live perfect lives and perfect bodies. And all of the, all of the sidewindness, all, all of the brokenness that we experience on this earth is going to be gone. And in our culture today, we don't suffer. We do everything we can to avoid that, everything we can to walk away from that and not let suffering invade our lives. Like our motto is no pain, no pain. Just do whatever we can do to get away from suffering. And God says, I've got a purpose for this. Because your eternity is going to be completely void of suffering. And what you experience now will be absolutely nothing compared to the glory that you experience in the future. And then he gives us two pictures of how this works. Verse 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. 
We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. He gives two examples right there of what he's talking about, about how this this suffering and the desire for no more suffering is built into us. The first one of those is in nature. If you've seen those videos of the zebra who's minding its own business constantly or just calmly going through its day and is immediately ambushed by a pack of lions who make it their all-you-can-eat lunch, that's a picture of it especially if you're the zebra. Because at some point, there's going to be a point where, where nature no longer reflects a kill or be killed type of life, type of existence. God's saying the suffering will one day that you can see with your eyes, one day it's going to be okay. The other example is our physical bodies. As we get older, as we do stuff, as we exercise, as we live, we get sore sometimes. There's things that are broken. There are things that need to be healed. There are things that God, we ask him to come in and to make right what's been wrong. And Paul's saying one of those days, that's going to be gone. One of these days, everything's going to be right. Your bodies are going to be totally restored. The world is going to be totally restored. And that's going to be when we're in heaven with Jesus. And what this does, what I see in this is God giving us a green light to look at the world, to look at our own lives and see stuff that's messed up, see stuff that's broken, see stuff that's gone sideways and work to change it. He doesn't say it's broken, you need to just accept it. But he's given us a mind, he's given us creativity, he's given us willpower, he's gifted us in ways of innovation and and invention to fix things. You look at doctors, you look at inventors, you look at anybody who moved anything from broken to better, and that's part of God's giftedness on their life. And we're built in with this hardwired desire and ability from God to look at things that are broken, whether it's in us ourselves or when we're in our world. Say, man, I want God to heal that. I want God to make a difference there. I want God to put that broken thing back together. That's how God works to take what's broken and to rebuild it. And sometimes he does that through us. In our house, uh, one of the big things that the kids are really into right now is Legos, which means one of the things that I'm really into is making sure I never step on them or sit on them. So whenever they're going to play with Legos, whether it's in the garage or in the house, there's one thing that precedes all Lego playing, and that is a really big blanket or a really big drop cloth. And I watch that thing like a cop trying to make sure that no Lego is going to get off that blanket or else it is on a one-way ticket to the trash can because the last thing I'm going to do is step on the Lego because I don't want to step on it. Micah was playing around on the couch a while ago and he sat on a Lego. Corner of it went right into his butt cheek and he grabbed it and he started crying. And part of me is thinking, that's why you have the blanket. The outward part of me was saying, I'm really sorry and gave him a hug and told him I feel better. And that's why we put the Legos on the blanket, not on the couch, under your butt because it won't hurt that much. That's the way that God is looking at this as a good father, not as a me father, but as a father saying, hey, there's things that are broken and I've wired your minds to be able to fix it. And so when we look at things in our life that are broken, in our world that are broken, relationships that are damaged, there's a thing that God's put there inside of us to fix it. Some things cannot be fixed this side of eternity. And what that does is it creates a hunger in us for the future that God has for us, for the eternity that God has for us. So what if we suffer? We know that God is using those times to prepare us for an eternity with him. 
Second what if, what if the Holy Spirit really helps us in our weakness and prays for us? What if God actually does that? What if the role of the Holy Spirit is to meet us in our brokenness and to help us follow God? Verse 26, it says this. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. So much of typical religion is if you do all of these things, if you follow all of these steps, if you live this life that is exactly the way that you're being taught, eventually you will get up to where God is and your life will change. What this says is it flips that completely on its head. That when we don't know what to pray for, when we don't have the words, when our emotions overwhelm our vocabulary, the Holy Spirit comes in and draws us to God, gives us the words to pray for, gives us the things to pray for. It's the opposite of one day we'll be like God, but it's God becoming like us to bring us up to him. It's us embracing our weakness instead of standing on top of our achievements and saying, God, this is where I need you today. When we don't have the right words, the Holy Spirit prays for us. When we can't express with our words, the Holy Spirit prays for us. It's God coming after us. It's the picture of the cross that we were far away from God and so God came down and lived his life like us to bring us into a relationship with God the Father. This week Anna and I went out of town. It was our 14th anniversary and so we left the kids here uh, and went down and did a day at Disneyland and then came back while the kids stayed here. They knew we were going to Disneyland. Uh, there was some weeping and we told them that, uh, you know, that's suffering. What God does is, you know, um, you should listen on Sunday, one of the points. And there's metal detectors and stuff at Disneyland, which is really smart. And most of the time, like whenever I'm traveling on a plane and you got to go through security and everything, I plan really far ahead, down to what shoes I wear. This summer when we went to Uganda on a mission trip, every time we were in an airport, I'm wearing basketball shorts, which means no belt, and flip-flops, which means you don't have to take off your shoes and go through the thing and everything. So everybody else would be backed up, and I'm walking through with my casual shorts and no shoes, and it's all great. I love that stuff. So we go to Disneyland, and I've got a hat on because I don't want to get torched on my scalp. Uh, and so as we're walking up, I take off my hat, take out my wallet, take out my phone, take off my watch. Everything goes into the hat. And then the last thing, I didn't wear basketball shorts because I know that Anna doesn't like them that much. I wore board shorts with a belt on them. And so you're walking up, and I undo the belt and take the belt out and stick it in the hat, walk through perfectly. Like, that's my plan. I'm owning this metal detector thing. And so we did that for a few days. Just walked through, hat, wallet. Phone, belt, kind of like a weirdo, like just admitting this. Like it, that's not a good thing for some random dude to be just, yeah, through Disneyland. It's bad. So last day we're going in, uh, doing the downtown Disney thing. And so we come up to the metal detector, hat, phone, wallet, watch. And I go to take out my belt. And the lady who's there at the, at the metal detector, she looks at me and she says, you don't have to do that. Now. For the sake of the illustration, it's probably because she says, I've seen the people after you trying to put their belt on while they're walking and everything, and it just doesn't look good. And sir, the last thing I want you to do is take your belt off, you weirdo. So I'm going to make it easy for you. You don't have to do that. I trust you, and whatever's hidden in there, we'll just get it with the wand and whatever. But that's a picture of what we're talking about here. God's saying, you don't, you don't know what to pray for. You don't know what to do in this situation. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. That's fine. 
I do. Let me come to you. Let me help you. It's the lady at the metal detector saying, you don't worry about the belt. I'm going to help you. For the record, I'm really glad that she let me keep it on because that's kind of weird, taking off your belt and just walking through with a bunch of kids around. That's no bueno, no bueno. But the Holy Spirit, it helps us in our weakness and it prays for us. For us, we need God chasing after us in life because life is difficult. There's no one who's going to deny that here. Life is difficult. And the beauty, the blessing of being a Christian is that we have a God who chases after us. The second Sunday of every month, we have a baptism. And in February, we're going to have a baptism. We announce it all the time, wait for people to respond. And then we've had to cancel the last few because nobody's interested in getting baptized. But February, we're going to have a baptism. It's going to be awesome. And you know what it's going to be? It's going to be people up here sharing about how God chased them down in life. How the Holy Spirit came into their life and made a difference. Showed them the love of God that continues to chase them. And if you're here, you're out of junior high, you're a follower of Jesus, you're ready to get baptized. Like I'm telling you, you're ready to get baptized. And, and we get to share the goodness of God and give skin and a story to that. People standing up and saying, this is where the Holy Spirit chased me down in my life. And it's a beautiful, awesome thing. So the third what if is what if God is actually with us in our pain? What if God is with us in our pain? God answers the question here, and then he explains why. He answers it in 28. He says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. He says, I'm going to be with you in your pain, and I'm going to use the pain. I'm going to use the things in our lives that go sideways that we don't like. I'm going to use those because I'm going to work everything together for those who love me and who are called according to my purposes. And then he explains why. 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that in his son we would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. That's five things right there. That means he knows us and he chose us. There are no surprises when it comes to you and me and our life with God. God chose us specifically. The The book here in Romans gives the example, gives the image, the language of adoption. That God saw you. God knew your name. God saw your case study. God saw your history. God saw your future. He saw everything that you're going to bring into this life, every limitation, every strength. And he said, I want them. Chose them by name. He didn't get stuck with whatever came out. He said, all right, this is the person that I want. This is my son. This is my daughter. That's how God looks at you and me. We're known and we're chosen. We're called. That means God gives us a purpose. We individually play a role in that whole gospel through to the whole person throughout the whole world thing. Individually, we play a role because God gave us a role. And he gives us right standing with him, which leads to more and more glory for God. And so in light of that, in light of the fact that we're known, we're chosen, we're called, We have right standing with God and we're creatures, we're containers of God's glory. He says, because of all that, I'm going to use everything to work together for good. For those who are called according to my purposes and who love me. God says, I want you to take care of the obedience. You take care of the obedience and doing everything you can to obey me in every situation, even when it's difficult. You take care of the obedience and I will take care of everything else. This is how we meet God, this is how we live up to the place that, that, that God has for us, the life that God has for us. 
And how God did this is, is he took the worst tragedy of all time, Jesus, who was sinless, who was spotless, who never sinned and never did anything against the way that God created him to. And he put on Jesus all of our sin, all of our punishment, everything that we've done, everything that we've deserved to be separated from God by. And Jesus died the death that we deserve so that we could have the life, the relationship with God that Jesus deserved. It's a trade that happens. And it's, we see that in God saying that I will use everything. I'll work it all together for good for those who love me and who are called according to my purposes. And so what are God's purposes? His purposes are us to say yes to the cross, us to say yes to forgiveness, us to say yes to new life in Jesus. For us to make that decision to say, okay, God, I'm getting off the throne of my life. I'm letting you come in. Second purpose is for us to say yes to repentance. That's daily saying, okay, God, this is where I've messed up. This is where I'm going to get it right today because you're going to come in and you're going to show me how to do it right and you're going to empower me to do it right so that I can live freely in the future. It's us saying yes to that and us saying yes to the blessing of going and telling everyone everywhere about who Jesus is, the whole person, uh, the whole gospel of the whole person throughout the whole world. At one point, that was us. At one point, somebody told us about who Jesus is and Jesus' love for us. And now for the rest of our lives, we are going at telling everyone that we know about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. God uses that suffering, the things that we go through to bring more people to the cross, more people into a relationship with him. And so the fourth what if, what if God really does win? In verse 31 It says, what then shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Jesus is going to win, and our job, our responsibility, our blessing, our inheritance as his heirs, as his sons and daughters, is to win with him. That we live out our lives in love-based obedience, knowing that anything that we do isn't going to put us higher up on God's totem pole, but instead we're going to say, God, this is everything you've done for me. I'm going to honor you with my life like we sang before the message. Jesus is winning and our job is to live with him in love-based obedience. And so finally, what if, what if God's good? That's says, okay, on top of all of this, I'm going to show you a picture. This is my last thing. I'll show this to you to answer your what ifs. Verse 32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Here's my picture. It's Jesus who never sinned but became sin for all time, for all creation, so that we could all have a relationship with God. That's inviting us to trust him through our moments of suffering. It's an an invitation to take our pain and say, okay, God, you've already given me Jesus. I want you to take this now. Whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whatever it is, we worship a good God who shows us this is how good I am. I'm taking my sinless, spotless son who didn't have to come, but he chose to come. I'm giving him so that you and I can have a relationship. That's the infinite picture of God's goodness. In light of everything else in a world that's gone sideways, God looks at it. He agrees with us that there are broken things that shouldn't be broken. And God says, trust me, I've given you my son, and I'm going to use all the suffering for my glory, for my good, and you're going to come with me, and you're going to win with me. That's our God. That's our God who loves us, who sees us, and calls us to follow him in every area of our life. Let's stand and pray.
So Father, we thank you today that you sent Jesus for us. We thank you that there's freedom, that there's new life, that there's forgiveness, that there's a past that's covered, a present that's full, and a future uh, that's sent out on mission from you because you're a good God and you love your children. You love us. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to come into your life to find forgiveness of your sins, to let Jesus change you from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance to do that today. You're not saying you're perfect. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that we're sinners in need of a Savior and that Jesus is our Savior. And so I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, if if that's you, and today's your day, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand, and someone's going to pray with you as we close. So one, God loves you, always has, always will, and today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we tell God, get out of here, I'm doing this my way. That's called sin, and Jesus came to forgive us and set us free from our sin. And three, there's a day for all of us where we say, okay, God, I'm ready to say yes to you today. I'm ready to get off the throne of my life and let you in to run me and change me from the inside of me to the outside of me. And so if that's you today, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand, and as we close, someone's gonna pray with you, and it'll be the best decision you could ever make. Is there anyone like that here today? For the rest of us, uh, there are areas in all of our lives where we're not living out God's purposes for us. And just like we talked about with the Holy Spirit, God's gonna chase us down in those areas in the best way possible. He's not gonna chase us down to show us how far we are from him and how pathetic we are. He's gonna chase us down to say, okay, let me come in. Let me pick you up. Let me show you my love for you, my power in your weakness, my righteousness, my holiness in light of your sin. And so for, for us, I want to encourage us to come forward and stand and kneel and sit, whatever you want to do at the front. This is, this is our physical response to confirm what's going on in our heart of saying, God, I want to live for your purposes in this area. I'm not right now, but you can come in and you can change. You can work and you can bring light where I've lived in darkness. Let's worship and respond to the God who loves us.